The story of the Bible begins in a garden where God and humans live together. And the biblical authors want us to see this garden as a type of temple. The top is the most sacred place, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence is most intense. And that's where we find the tree of life. So what's this tree all about? Well, it represents God's own life and creative power that is made available to others. In fact, God's first command is that humans eat from all of the trees, including this one. So you're ingesting God's own life. That sounds intense. Yeah, this meal transforms the one who eats it. Or in the words of the story, it leads to eternal life. Okay, but on the way to the tree of life, the humans have to pass by another tree called the tree of knowing good and bad. And God says that eating from this tree will kill you. How does it do that? Well, it represents taking the authority to do what is good in your own eyes. And when humans do that, it leads to broken relationships, violence, and death. Let's turn now to the story of Jesus. He came to announce that God's eternal life was available once again through him. So Jesus thinks of himself as the tree of life. Yes, this is what he meant when he claimed to be the vine that brings God's life into the world. And Jesus invited people to eat from him. Yeah, he was inviting people to trust him and be transformed by his life. But Jesus also exposed how corrupt humans are, how much they love false trees of life. And so Jesus presented people with a new choice between life or death. And this time, they don't just choose death. They also chose to attack the one who sustains all of life. Yes, Jesus is led up to the top of a hill where he dies upon a tree. The cross is the sad and violent result of humanity's desire to do what is good in our own eyes. The tree of life has been overcome by the power of death. Well, it seemed that way. But Jesus said that he was a seed of God's life that would die in the ground, but then grow into a plant that would bear much fruit. So to defeat death, Jesus went through it. And now this new tree of life stands before us all. We can eat from it, but it will mean passing through death like Jesus, allowing our old way of being human to die. So that a new humanity can grow in its place. Yes, Jesus said he is the vine and we are his branches. So not only do you eat from this tree, you're invited to become a part of it, helping produce its fruit so that his life and love can spread through us to others. And so the story of the Bible ends in a new garden which is also a kind of temple, with the tree of life at its center, providing healing and life forever to all who choose to eat from it. All right. Yeah, Danny, why don't you go ahead and throw those lights on? Thank you, sir. Fantastic. How's everybody doing? Great. So we started a series, and I realized that um, it's been a few um, weeks since we started the series. So just to recap a little bit, we... Uh, saw the first version of that uh, video, and we really talked about the fact that we started in the garden, we talked about the tree of life, and that ultimately God's desire was to bring that tree of life to everybody, and uh, he did that through Jesus. He offers us uh, living water, and we ended with Jesus, um, where it talks about in John, where Jesus came to the, to the steps of the temple and cried out aloud, uh, if anyone thirsts, Come to me. So we're going to pick up part two of rooted, this, this whole idea of being rooted in Christ. 
And, um, and we're going to kind of pick up from that moment where Jesus says, come, come and drink. And, uh, and we're going to dive into Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1 is an incredible psalm. It's uh, one that often people memorize. And uh, we're going to pick up in verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands on the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight, everyone say his delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he will meditate day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. His wheat leaf shall not wither, brings forth fruit in its season, and whatever he does shall prosper. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what it means to be rooted, to be planted. God, to come and drink, planted next to the river. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would open up our eyes once again today to see you. It would be life-giving, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read one more scripture, and then we're going to dive into a familiar story, and we're going to land on Jesus. Uh, John chapter 19 is an interesting passage of Scripture starting in verse 28, and it's Jesus on the cross, and he goes on to say, Later, knowing that everything, this is important, that everything had now been finished, that had been accomplished, everything that he went to do on the cross had been finished, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. I am thirsty. We're going we're gonna to kind of talk about just this simple idea, I'm thirsty. I am thirsty. Um, how could the one who spoke the waters into existence, the one who is living water himself, be thirsty? I find this very interesting and perplexing. I, um, I pride myself on being a very easy customer in restaurants. I've been with people who are extremely difficult in restaurants. No one in this room. Yes. Anybody know somebody where it's like when you go to a sit-down restaurant and the waitress or waiter comes by, you just kind of want to say, I don't know that person because you just know it's going to be a fiasco. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're super picky. Anybody know who's somebody like that? And they just, you, you never get their order right. They're super demanding. And it's like, I get it. If you're going to Roos Chris and you're paying, right? Like, we went to Roos Chris recently. We got a gift card to Roos Chris. And it was like 100 bucks. You go to Roos Chris, and first of all, just a heads up, $100 doesn't even come close to covering a simple basic meal for two people at Roos Chris. So just a heads up. Um, but we enjoyed ourselves, and when you go to Roos Chris and you're spending $150 to $200 on a simple steak and some mashed potatoes, I get it. High expectations, right? But when you go to like Applebee's, Come on. And, and you have those same expectations. It's a little ridiculous, right? So anyway, I pride myself on the guy who's like, Heather would probably disagree with me, but 
I don't feel like I'm very high maintenance when it comes to restaurants. But in particular, on the drinks, I just have this big pet peeve against ordering a soda at a restaurant. Because A, I don't really care for soda that much. And B, they charge you like $5 for a soda. It's like, I, I, water is really just fine and the bill's like half as much. Now, some of you guys, like, some of you guys really like soda, diet So Anybody like Diet Coke? The Diet Coke people in the room? Um, and uh, I get it. But for me, I'm like, is, I'm super easy. I just want water. Water with a lemon. I probably won't make it through one single cup. So the waitress and waiter doesn't have to keep coming by filling up my cup. Well, my buddy who just visited me, his name is PJ, uh, and it reminded me of this. He just visited because he lives in Texas now. But for a while, we were living in Washington at the same time. And we would go out to eat a lot. And he is like a Dr. Pepper maniac. The guy, he drinks like four Dr. Peppers at one sitting. Just craziness. He's a skinny little thing, right? You know, just lots of energy and just loves Dr. Pepper. And so I remember specifically being at this restaurant. This was years ago in Washington. And we're sitting at the restaurant. And he's like on his third round of refills of Dr. Pepper. We were sitting at this pizza restaurant. And the waitress keeps coming over. And I just felt bad for her because it's like we already got our pizza. There's no reason for you to spend any more time at our table. But it's like every 10 minutes, she's coming by. Need, hey, can I get another refill? Hey, hey, can I get it? And it's just like, gracious. Aren't you dehydrated? Like, drink some water. Nope, it's got to be Dr. Pepper. Fill them up with Dr. Pepper. And at some point, I remember, we had this strange interaction, and the, the, the waitress was a, like a, a young teenager girl. And uh, this was probably eight years ago. And uh, at some point, I, I just turned to the waitress who comes over, Feeling, feeling bad for her. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like, my friend's just thirsty. And, uh, and she, starts, she starts, like, chuckling, like, giggling under her breath, like, right? And then she walks away, and then she comes back, and she's just, like, still kind of chuckling, like I said something really funny. And I was like, what? What's so funny? And she goes, you said he's thirsty. And I'm like, well, what do you think that means? And she goes, well, with me and my friends, when you say a boy is thirsty, you mean he's kind of desperate. Like if a guy was like trying too hard, right? Like really needing the attention, like going way overboard. Like, hey, this is me. The girls would get together, like teenage girls would get together and they'd juggle me and they'd look at him and be like, thirsty. Or like if somebody's posting online, like constantly just being ridiculous, right? Just clearly overboard. You are looking for attention. Wow, like you're ridiculous. They would say, thirsty. You're thirsty. And I want to talk to you from the subject. I'm thirsty. You're thirsty. We are thirsty people. Sometimes I get insecure and I need reassurance. Sometimes I forget who I am and I go to the wrong places for comfort. Sometimes I get discouraged and I need somebody to pick me up. Sometimes I feel like I'm not enough and I get stuck, discouraged. 
Anybody with me? Anybody have those human emotions? Or are you all just super Christians and you just need to encourage me? Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm thirsty. I feel like I'm not enough. Like I don't have enough to make it through this season, this thing I have going on. There's a hole inside and I just places. But Jesus, he was thirsty. And I know what you're thinking. He was thirsty because he was on the cross and he was dehydrated and it was sunny and he was needing a drink of actual water. But I just want to challenge that for a minute and say Jesus had a moment of thirst, and I'll prove it to you. Jesus was first thirsty in the garden. Do you remember when Jesus came and he was sweating blood in the garden? He was so overwhelmed with what was being laid on him, which, oh, by the way, what was being laid on him was the sin and wrongdoing and shame of the world, of you and me. That was in the moment of the garden being laid on him. All of your burdens, all of your worries, all of your struggles, all of my dysfunction and my frailty and sin was being laid on Jesus. And Jesus looks to the Father and says, if this cup can pass by me, not a physical cup, but an emotional cup. If, if this cup can pass by Please let it, because I don't want to carry this. But nevertheless, your will be done. And so he goes to the cross, and he is thirsty. But it's not a physical thing. I mean, maybe it is, but on the inside, he is facing the Father, turning his back to the Son. Jesus is in a moment for the very first time in his life, completely isolated, completely alone, and buried underneath your sin, my sin, and shame. And he cries out, I'm thirsty. I am alone. I am insufficient. I wrote this idea. Jesus identifies with my deepest need and darkest sin, for he bore my shame. So you have to understand, and this is important, that, that when you and I feel incomplete, when you and I feel like we, we don't have it all together, when you and I feel like we're, we're not worthy, Jesus, he understands. He actually understands what it means to feel shame. It doesn't mean he was shameful, and it doesn't mean he earned it, but he bore it, which means he felt every second of it. He understands. Shame will make you thirsty. Shame will make, make you forget who you are and run to all of the wrong places. Shame. This wasn't the first time Jesus was thirsty. Um, he was physically thirsty. And we saw that. Remember when Jesus went to, the, went to the woman at the well? Remember in John 4? Jesus shows up. And he sits down at the well. And he's waiting for a girl. Not like that. 
But he had an appointment with the girl at the well. John 4, check it out. And he's hanging out at noon. And wow, we know it was an appointment because typically you don't go to the well at noon because it's hot. No one goes to the well at noon. You go first thing in the morning. You get the water for the day. You bring it home. But at noon, there's no one at the well except for the girl that Jesus had an appointment with. The girl filled with shame. You know, the one that's thirsty. She doesn't want anybody to see her. The one that ducks her head through the neighborhood because everybody knows who she is. So she shows up at noon at the well and Jesus has an appointment with her. And Jesus says, can I have some water? Because I'm thirsty. See, she thought he wanted something from her. And it's fair because he said, can, you, can I have a drink? Living water himself coming to the well saying, hey, can I have a drink? How ironic, how funny, how interesting. The person that cried out on the steps of the temple, all you who thirst, come and drink. Goes to the well and asks this girl, who's, who's the definition of thirsty, can I have a drink? See, that's what shame does. We think that God and others want something from us. Because you wouldn't want me for me. You, you couldn't love me for me. I know you say that. And I know you say God says that. But there's no way that's the case. Because I'm broken. I'm frail. I'm thirsty. I'm hurting. And so when you say, I want you, I like you, you're really, you're really asking for something. I, I, I need you to perform for me. I need you to do something for me. I, I need you to behave. I need you to fill in the blank. And so we, in our dysfunction, we think the hand is out. This is shame. It makes you thirsty. And inevitably, stay with me, we push people away. Now, none of you do this. But we all know somebody who, when the minute that somebody starts to get close, we go, ah, that's too close. But have you ever met somebody that's like, yeah, I love small church, and I want to be a part of small church until they realize that in the small church, it's kind of hard to disappear. It's kind of hard, like we have a back row, but it's not really a back row. Like really, like there, there's huge churches that you can come and no one would know you're here. And some people like kind of like that because, because there's no way that you really love me for me and want me for me. And so the minute that the, the people start getting close, it's like, ah, come just give me, I don't want a small group. Don't, I don't want you close to me because, because I'm thirsty. Don't get too close because because when you get too close, then you'll realize that I can't meet your expectations. Because I can impress you from a distance. I mean, if you don't know me very well, I could be the perfect pastor. 
close. I mean, I can post the best things online. Every once in a while, put together a decent sermon, dress the part, talk the part. I'll even meet with you once a month, and you can still think I'm awesome. But once you, like, start getting closer, you'll realize, man, this pastor, he's not perfect. I saw him talk to his wife, and it was kind of like, it wasn't, it wasn't the best. I mean, he, he, he took his halo off just for a second, and then he put it right back on. But there was a, I saw some, a crack in the foundation. We need to find a new church. We laugh, but it's easy to fall into that spot where it's like, man, I would love to impress everybody. So as long as no one gets too, too close, we're good. See, we even keep God at a distance because we're afraid that we won't be able to meet his expectations. And so I'm not going to go too deep. Because I know that God just has his hand out. Jesus at the well, give me a drink. So so we kind of think if I get too connected to this thing, then there's going to be a commitment level and an expectation that I just can't meet. So we're just going to keep it at a surface level. And it's a setup for religion. I didn't put this slide up, but I should have. Religion is what man can do for a holy God. I made that definition up, but I think it's brilliant. Religion is what man can do for a holy God because he's holy and he deserves it. And you know what? That's a true statement. He absolutely deserves all of our worship, but it's the motivation for that worship that's the difference between relationship and what we're doing here and religion. See, religion says... Jesus is at the well and he's got his hand out and he's saying, come on. I I mean, you wouldn't have a well to even draw from if it wasn't for me. So come on, give me a drink. Give me some worship. Give me some money. I mean, how many people have you talked to that said, like, church just wants my money. It's It's just Jesus at the well going, come on, pay your dues. This is the great challenge. We in our thirsty selves think God wants something. As if he needs our money or our worship. God is not insecure and he doesn't need our resources or our worship. He doesn't need our accolades. He he didn't create us to to feel better about himself. Like, God, no, really, you're awesome. And he's like, come on, keep it coming. Keep it coming. Tell me I'm awesome. You're awesome, God. Come on, keep it coming. God's not thirsty. We are. So we see Jesus at the well with his hand out. And we go to work and we go, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw water from the well. I'm going to fill up Jesus' bucket, and I'm going I'm to be good. Jesus, you're good for the day. And as, as he's leaving, we yell, and I'll come back next Sunday to refill. You're awesome, God. I'll even give a 
throw a few dollars in the tithe box. I'll be back to the well next week. We're good. But this is our mentality when we're thirsty. We think that God has his hand out. Now notice Jesus says, everyone who thirsts from this, everyone who thirsts and drinks from this well will be thirsty again. Everyone. And I know you're thinking, Shane, I used to be thirsty. And then I found Jesus. Listen, everyone in here drinks from somewhere. Every single person. We all drink from somewhere. The challenge is most of us good Christians spend all of our time convincing ourselves and others that we don't get thirsty. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not dysfunctional. I'm not needy. We put on our best Christian Christian face and then we go home and then our spouse will tell us the real truth and that is, you're kind of needy. You're kind of thirsty. You need something. We all are. Every single one of us. I'd love to say I've matured. I disciple those who are thirsty. I know how to spot somebody that that needs to mature. I've kind of matured. I'll tell you, one of the greatest things that we can do in this pursuit of being rooted in Christ is realized. I get thirsty. I often have feelings that I'm not enough, that I need something, that this is my reality. What does thirsty look like? Well, here's thirsty. We wake up in the morning, we grab this. Who liked my post? Oh, they didn't comment back. Oh, there wasn't very many emojis on their text. They didn't even text me back. I didn't get invited to that text. What the? I didn't even get invited to the party. Seriously? That church doesn't even care about me. They don't text me. We wake up every morning and we're like, ooh, 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 ooh. Ooh, did my boss like my, my proposal I gave? Ooh, ooh, ooh. How, how, can I, how can I get a drink? Can I tell you that this phone will never give you a drink? Ever. But we treat it like it's going to. We, we, we pick this thing up like it's the well that will never run dry every morning. I'm so thirsty. You're going to think about this every time you pick up your phone, and I'm so glad. You're gonna, this, the, my voice is going to come through your mind. I'm so thirsty every time you pick this phone up. Because it's true. I have literally deleted everything from my phone. It's, 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 it's barely a flip phone now. Because I've realized that I'm thirsty and I want to stop going here to get a drink. That doesn't mean that I don't go other places. It doesn't mean that I always go to Jesus. But I have come to grips with my humanity. And I still pick up this stupid phone the first thing in the morning. And I try to go to the Bible app, but I don't always do that. I know, you're seeing cracks in the foundation. It's okay. I pick up my phone and I... I, I don't even know what to do now. I look, at the e- I look at my email and it's like, oh, it's just junk mail. So then I go to the weather. 
Like that's going to give me a drink of cold water. Why do I do that? I don't know. If I had Facebook on here, I'd go there. Anybody like my post? What about my sermons? How many? Oh, we only had four views. Awesome. That wasn't even a sip of water. That was like an, a negative sip. That was like Dr. Pepper. That makes you more thirsty. <laughs> Mikey's like, seriously? Where do you go to get a drink? We're thirsty. Jesus was thirsty. He said, I thirst. And then he said, no, I don't, I don't want to take it. They offered it to him. He tasted it. It was bitter. He said, no. You're going to get thirsty. You're going to have days when you feel discouraged, incomplete. I want to say this. It's not a sin to be thirsty. It's just honest. Jesus didn't say, you won't thirst. He just said, you won't be thirsty. He didn't say you won't have the emotions. He won't say, he didn't say that there wasn't a need to fill. He, he wouldn't say I offer living water if he, said, if, he, if he thought you wouldn't at some point get dehydrated. He wouldn't say be of good cheer, be, of, uh, 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 be courageous, and don't be, be afraid. He wouldn't say be courageous if there was moments, wasn't moments where you'd get discouraged. He said those things because there's moments when you get discouraged and you feel dehydrated. And he's like, in those moments, when you do, come and drink. It's not a sin to be thirsty. It's just a matter of where you're going to go to get filled up that makes all the difference. I wrote this. The affection of your heart determines where you drink. The affection of your heart. This is kind of the whole deal. Like, okay, so we get thirsty and we all look somewhere, all of us. And some of us look daily. Well, we all look daily. But then some of us, it's like the job we're in is because we're thirsty. The relationship that we look for or how we treat our relationship is because we're thirsty. Like things that we do, hobbies that we have, mentalities, like some of the thirst is, is just like surface level and some of it's like a little bit deeper. Like there's some things in there that I do, ways that I am because I'm thirsty. And I thought it was just going to get solved when I said yes at the altar, Jesus come into my life. But like, I realize now that my, my journey to sanctification, my journey to be like Jesus is him rooting out some like deep areas in there where I'm like, gosh, I'm dysfunctional. Yes, come on. I'm kind of needy. I should be more confident. I should be more secure. I should feel like enough, but there's still times like deep in the wells of my heart where I go, I, I don't. I'm still thirsty. 
And I look around the landscape of my life and I'm like, wow, there's some things here that are there because I'm thirsty. That's not, that's not great. And there's no easy answers to it. But what I can say is that there is an answer. And it's not something that just goes away over time. Like if you're very dehydrated, they hook you up with an IV and you stay in the hospital for 24 hours. It's, it's not like, hey, take a sip of water and you're good. It's like, no, hook up to an IV because there's some work we got to get done here on the inside. And this is the process that Jesus is doing in our life. So don't get discouraged because you still get thirsty. It's, it's where you go to get a drink. And I promise you that the less you go to the stuff that will never satisfy and the more you go to what, what does satisfy, the less you'll find that you're getting thirsty. Like the less, it's, it's less. It's not as intense. I'm up here getting text messages. <laughs> Ooh, do they like me? Okay. Are they watching? <laughs> you laugh because you do the same thing. That's why I always send lots of emojis in my text messages. We're good, right? Smiley face, pound it. Psalm 1. We're going to go back to Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. We're going to land the plane here. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Blessed is the man who doesn't do what everybody else does. Blessed is the man who doesn't try to find his sense of worth and significance in everything else. That's what he's trying to say. He's not running this way and sitting there and standing there. He's not doing what everybody else does. In, and, and the difference is his delight. His delight is in a different place. See, this is the power of where you thirst. Wherever your heart's postured to, this is where you will go and Drink. So, so, so remember when Jesus says, what's the first and greatest commandment? Come on, what's the first and greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. So, so when we think that God has his hand out, like, come on, it's Sunday, pay your dues. I'm at the well, I'm thirsty, worship me, love me as if God's thirsty. This is what religion says. Love the Lord your God. Come on. Love him. Come on, church. Everybody stand and let's love him. Come on. Because he's thirsty. He's insecure. We need to make the big man feel better. And when you're, when you're leaving, make sure you put something in the bucket. And don't you dare miss last next Sunday. Because God's expecting you to give him a drink. I mean, that sounds ridiculous. Except for that it's not. It's not. It's not ridiculous. There's no pastor that says it like that, but it can easily come across like that. So love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Why, why is that the biggest commandment? Because God knows that when your delight is in him, when you get thirsty, you'll go to the right well. See, it's a setup. What if, 
What if it's a setup at the well? What if Jesus is saying, hey, give me a drink? I'm not thirsty, by the way. Give me a drink. Just to lure her in so that he can have a real conversation about her thirst. He's not thirsty. She is. Hey, give me a drink. It's a setup. God says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart because when when we love God as a response of his goodness towards us, then it positions our heart to begin to look at the right place to quench our thirst. See, this girl was thirsty. This girl was, she was a hot mess. She had, she had five husbands, all of which that were divorced, which back in that time was like unheard of. And now she's living with a dude, having sex with a dude that, she, that she's not married to. I mean, she is the town disgrace. Thirsty. Thirsty. She, she didn't get uh, her thirst quenched on the first five rounds of husbands. And now she's with the other guy and it's still not quenching her thirst. So she's coming out to the well at noon going, I am so thirsty. And Jesus is like, come on, give me a drink. Come on. So, so Jesus says, I have something for you. I've got living water. So he, he changes it and he says, it's an exchange. I, I'm thirsty, but no, I'm not really thirsty. I have something for you. And then he says, if you drink from this water, if you keep drinking from this well, you're always gonna be thirsty. You're always gonna be thirsty, but there's another well. So come on. But I have something for you. And then he says, go get your husband. And this is the point in church where we go, I knew it. I knew there was a catch. I knew there was a hook. I knew you couldn't just love me for me. It's what I can do for you. You're pushing on all those buttons. And it's like, this is the point where we push God away and we push people away. And you go, stop getting so close. Gosh, I just want to sit in the back and hear about the good news, and then I want to leave. And then when we start digging a little bit, and Jesus is like, hey, go get your husband. And you're like, what are you, why are you talking to me like that? <laughs> That's a little aggressive, Jesus. I mean, come on, we just met. And you're telling me about the living water. Let's, let's do the living water thing. I'm all for that. And Jesus is like, go get your, your husband. I guess um, I guess I have a question. What if what if God wasn't disappointed with you? What if God wasn't disappointed in that woman as he was pressing in on her darkest, deepest wound? I mean, let's think about it. This girl, that subject was a, was a soft point. It was pushing on every, all the reasons why she feels like a failure. And I want you to think about that for you. All the reasons why you don't feel worthy enough, why you don't feel accepted, why like anything that somebody or God could push on in those places. And this is what Jesus was pushing on. And what if... What if Jesus wasn't disappointed in her? What if God wasn't ashamed of all of our sin? 
What if God wasn't waiting to punish you as soon as you come clean? What if it's a setup? I see your thirsty soul and I have something for you. But, but where your heart is, where you're connected to, that's where you're drinking. So Jesus is like, come on. Come on, this is a, this is a safe place where you're not gonna not meet my expectations. If you dive all into the real well that will never run dry. If you dive in here, it's just simply Jesus saying, listen, when you come and drink and you turn your heart to delight in the Lord, in all of our dysfunction, what if it's a setup? What if there's never a point where God says, man, I really wish you'd do better? What if it's just simply always, come on, I love you. And there's nothing that you could ever do that would change that. What I want to change inside of you is where you go when you're thirsty. Because I always have what you need. So when you delight in me, you are like a tree rooted next to the rivers of living water. So what's the answer? Delight in him. Inclining our heart to him. And he begins to hydrate our soul. Come and drink, expectation free. Come and drink, expectation free free. Jesus says, listen, the reason why you don't have to be thirsty is because I was already thirsty for you. The reason why I don't have expectations on you is because I already met those expectations on the cross. This is an expectation-free table because I already did it. See, if there was expectations, there would, there would be regulations and restrictions and things that I already nailed to the cross and disarmed. And so now you just get to come to the table and it's free. Thank God. It's a free drink. But when you keep going to all the places, all the approval that you need, God isn't mad at you. He's not mad at me. He's not disappointed in me. He's just saying, listen, come on. I have something better. I have something better. I have something better. And so if you were looking in all the wrong places yesterday, today, Jesus still says, I have something better. I already met the expectations for you. I was already thirsty for you and bore all of that shame so that today you can come guilt-free, shame-free, expectation-free and just say, yeah, Jesus, um, I'm gonna recognize today that my mouth is parched and I'm thirsty. And listen, I, I, as we close, I don't want us to miss this. You are thirsty. And that's not a declaration that takes you out of the mature category. I want to say that again. That doesn't take you 
out of the spiritual elite. In fact, it places you there because you're honest. You're open before God. Like, I am thirsty. I, Jesus, without you, left to myself. Yeah, man. Okay, I get it. I'm going to heaven because I I trusted in you. But I'm thirsty. And as such, Jesus, today, I'm going to put my phone down. And I'm going to have an honest conversation with myself. And I'm going to come to you with my head held high not drooped over in shame as if to say, I know I didn't meet your expectations. I know my life, my choices, my decisions, I've left awake and God, I'm sorry, but I'm not gonna do that because you already paid for all that and bore all of that shame and were thirsty for me. And so because of that, I'm gonna come with my head held high and I'm gonna say, God, I'm thirsty and I need you today. I'm going to take a drink. And this drink isn't going to solve all my problems, but it's going to make me less dehydrated so that tomorrow I'm going to be less discouraged. Tomorrow I'm going to be less likely to go to all those other places to find something that will never meet my need. But today, I'm going to take a drink. I'm going to take a drink today. And tomorrow, I'm going to wake up I'm going to put my phone down again. I'm going to declare I'm thirsty, but I'm less thirsty than I was yesterday because yesterday I took a drink. So today I'm going to take another drink. And sometimes it's going to be a guzzling it because I'm just going through my word and I'm having prayer times. And sometimes it's just a prayer in my car on my way to work to say, Jesus, I trust you. I'm looking to you today. I'm drinking from you today. Quench my thirst. And so sometimes it's just a sip, but I'm going to definitely go to the well at some point every day. And every day I'm going to get less thirsty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you for today. Today we went to the well. Today we recognize that as thirsty people, people in need of a living God, in need of your goodness, Lord, your strength, your power, Spirit of God inside of us. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would would continue to nourish our souls, to weed out those places in our lives that we've accepted less. Lord, that we've accepted a narrative that you're ashamed of us, Lord, that there's expectations that we haven't met. And today we come, Lord, boldly to the throne of grace. We come boldly to the river of living water. We choose to incline our heart to you, to delight in you, and be like trees planted at the riverbank. Plant us next to the river of this water. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. All right. Amen. God bless you. Oh.